crowd assembled here this morning. We're thankful for your attendance. Whether you are a member here or passing through or new members here or anybody in between, uh, we're certainly thankful for the good crowd assembled together this morning. Uh, we've got a lot going on, as been said, but as Jerry mentioned, we, we have an insert in the bulletin at least for a week or two with all that's going on. Uh, I would mention again this teen singing at 2.30 uh, for the teens, but especially for any one of our members that might like to come back and be a part of that. But as well, don't forget the nursing home service at 2 o'clock, uh, and as many of you that can make that as well, we'd like to have a good crowd there and maybe rush back over here and catch most of the teens singing, but included as well uh, the finger foods. If you've not had a chance to bring anything, maybe you can run out and grab something and drop it back by. I talked to Brother Doug McVeigh uh, from the East Ridge Congregation last night who usually heads that up. He says that they expect around 100 and 125 even possibly uh, as far as the total number at the singing. So uh, we'd love to have a good crowd, love to have you with us, but please as well help us as we uh, seek to feed those that will be there. And uh, if you can bring something back and, and help us with that effort, we appreciate that. And then as was already said, uh, next Sunday will be a great day. I'm looking forward to it as not having been a part of one yet. Uh, but really excited. I look back in the bulletins this week. Faith and I were looking back on Friday morning and uh, looking at the attendance numbers for the last several years and, and all the visitors that we have on homecoming Sunday. And so, again, we look forward to that. Don't forget lunch. Don't forget the service time change in the afternoon. Uh, we're just really looking forward to that. And if you can be a part, it was mentioned in the bulletin, but Thursday night, I believe we usually meet here and try to do some cleaning up and sprucing up of the building as we look forward to having lots of uh, visitors on uh, next Sunday, next Lord's Day. God willing, we'll be able Able to be together, and we hope that you'll be with us again then, if at all possible. This morning, if you have your Bibles, you can be looking at 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to begin here and read these verses, but I ask you a few questions first. What comes to your mind when you hear the word missionary? What comes to your mind? Do you think of overseas? That's a word that a lot of times comes to our mind. Do you think of trained men or trained men and women who go and teach again maybe overseas some people would think of things like the the jungles the jungles of south america uh, or maybe places like india or places like south america or, or all these different places that, that people go that are we would consider far and away uh, you know maybe takes a whole day to travel do you think about the missionaries that we would say are here in america what comes to your mind when you think of the words missionary? This morning we want to take a look at an individual in the Bible that we might call the youngest missionary in the Bible. There's a good possibility that you've never thought about this person being considered a missionary before. And there's even a possibility that you've never thought about this person at all, even though you may be familiar with the story that takes place in 2 Kings chapter 5. Let's begin and read verses 1 through 4 together. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Now we'll stop there, uh, partially because you know the rest of the story. Uh, no doubt if you've been a part of a, a Bible class with the church for many years, you've probably heard a lesson on 2 Kings chapter 5. But the question this morning is, have you ever thought about Naaman's servant girl? 
You know, we usually focus on Naaman. We talk a lot about Naaman. We talk about his story. We talk about those, uh, the idea of him being healed by dipping in the Jordan River. We talk about the number of times that he was supposed to do it. Or even sometimes we talk about Gehazi and how his greed caused him to receive Naaman's leprosy. But this morning, we want to focus on the young slave girl, if you will. The youngest missionary possible that we might think of. Again, uh, kind of a label just to give the title or the sermon an interesting title here to think about. But we might call her the youngest missionary. And we want to talk about several things this morning. If you've got your bulletin in front of you, we'll be filling in the blanks as we think about uh, the youngest missionary. Now, I would submit to you, before we go any further, before we talk more in detail about her, The things that we mentioned at the beginning, the things that usually come to our mind, there's nothing wrong with that. We're not trying to take away from anyone who goes overseas or anyone who goes to the jungles of South America, anyone who goes to Africa or India or anyone who is trained and goes and and teaches in foreign foreign countries. In fact, that, that is what we need. The encouragement this morning doesn't go and it doesn't, is not trying to detract from anyone that would go and go to foreign countries that would give up their comfortable life here in America because we certainly love and appreciate those people. We pray for them and seek to encourage them because we want to see them be successful because it's kind of hard for us to pack up 111, 120 people and all of us fly together to, to some foreign country and do mission work. So while that's tough, we are excited about the opportunity to encourage those people. But this morning, we want to take a few lessons from this young slave girl and think about our lives individually as we work and go through our daily lives here, even in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. Number one this morning, she was insignificant. She was insignificant. Who was she? Well, she was a captured slave girl. In fact, she was probably one of dozens or maybe even hundreds of captured young slave girls. What was her name? We're never told. She appears to be a nameless slave girl. Of course, the question then this morning for us as we make application with each point, as we make application to ourselves, the next question is, who are you? Well, I'm just a nobody, you may say. Well, at least you have a name. I'm sure she had a name, but we don't know it. You're not a slave. She was a slave, but she certainly was insignificant. Of course, we could spend several sermons thinking about what we would call insignificant people in the Bible. We know that David may have just been considered a lowly shepherd. We know that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all lowly fishermen. We're going to talk next Sunday, God willing, in the adult class over here in adult uh, room one about Matthew, who was just a tax collector. Uh, we We even think about Jesus, maybe even working as a carpenter before he began his ministry, just uh, what we might call a regular job. The point is, no matter how insignificant you think you are, you are valuable to God. A couple of other passages. First of all, Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at a few New Testament passages along the way that would encourage us as we think about this. You may turn away from 2 Kings chapter 5. We've kind of given ourselves the background, and that's okay. Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Sometimes in life, we feel very invalu- or unvaluable. We feel very insignificant. 
We feel like we have no value in this life, that we can't accomplish anything. But if God can use an insignificant, nameless slave girl, he can use us. Remember the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 26 through 29 where he reminds the brethren there about who God would use. Who God is looking for, if you will. The way that we oftentimes get it backwards in our mind. Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. To put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world. To put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world. And the things which are despised. God has chosen. And the things which are not. To bring to nothing the things that are. And verse 29 sort of sums it up. And brings it home. That no flesh should glory in his presence. It's easy for me to think that I'm the one doing it all. That I should wear the star. That I should have the crown. That I'm the one that's doing all the work. When we remember this insignificant slave girl who was nameless, at least as it pertains to us, she was insignificant. But God used her, and he can use you, and he can use me. Number two this morning, she was relocated against her will. So are you saying, preacher, that we have to be relocated against our will to be a missionary? No, absolutely not. Not all these points will pertain exactly to us. But it's important for us to think about, she was a missionary, if you will, in a foreign country, but not by choice. I know many folks that spend lots of time in prayer, lots of time in prayer and studying and training to go overseas in the mission field, and rightfully so. They spend lots of time preparing themselves. They spend lots of time thinking and considering what would be best and where to go, where they can make the most impact for God. But it wasn't her choice to be here. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we don't necessarily want to be in. You know, we think about Moses wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. I don't think that was his choice. Now, he was serving his punishment, but I don't think that would have been his choice if we could ask him. But God was preparing him. A lot of times in our life, we run away from a life, the life of a Christian. You know, you hear people sometimes say, well, I never planned to preach. I didn't necessarily plan on being an elder or a deacon or a Bible class teacher. I I didn't plan on serving in that way. But sometimes we need to remember that where we are in life, we can be of service. Sometimes we may not be where we want to be, relocated against our will, if you will. But we can do good things. You know, I think about the words of Paul again, this time in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. You see, we all know, and and the world knows Philippians 4, 13. But when we back up and try to grab the context and think about what Paul is saying, he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. And yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, don't get me wrong. I don't want to discount the verse. I don't want to rely upon it as the world does sometimes, that it would make us superhuman or have some super strength that we can do anything, that people would maybe use this a little out of context. But absolutely, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do that in whatever state we are in, whether we're happy in life and things are going our way or whether things aren't going our way. And maybe we don't understand it all. You know, 
We may not understand God's purpose all the time. His purpose may be different than we think that it should be or that it is. But our job should be to do the best we can with what we have and where we are. And that pertains to lots of different situations sometimes in our life. Number three this morning, what did she do? We're going to look at a couple of situations here, but she served those around her. Here is a young girl. Here is a young girl. She's been taken from her family. She's in a strange land. She's in a strange situation. She works for strange people, you might even say. But what did she do? She did her job. She served those around her. Wherever God places you, wherever you might be in your life, whether it's somewhere you want to be or somewhere you're not exactly excited about being, and I mean that could be a job, that could be the city that you live in, that could be the situation that you're in at that time, but wherever you are, you have the opportunity to serve someone. And not only did she serve, but pay attention here, she obviously served well. Not only did she serve, but she obviously served well. How can we say that? Well, when this lowly young slave girl spoke, people listened. People listened. If she had not been a good servant, if she had not done her job, there's a good chance they wouldn't have paid any attention to her. You know, in our Wednesday night Bible class here in the auditorium, we've been talking about Daniel for several weeks now. And in talking about Daniel, we've talked about Joseph. What's the combination or what's the common thread between Daniel and Joseph and between this young slave girl? When they spoke, people listened because they were doing what they needed to do. They were doing their job. She was serving and she had an opportunity to speak up. What if she bellyached all the time? What if she complained? What if she whined and didn't want to do anything? There's a good chance Naaman wouldn't have listened to her. And even though she was forcibly taken into slavery, even though she didn't try to run away or fight back or sabotage things through all these things to get back at her, her, her captors, she simply did her job with a proper attitude, I would think, because that allowed her to speak when there was a situation and that allowed her to be heard when it called for, for, it to be, for her to be heard. The question for us is how are we serving? We think about Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. That could go for schoolwork. That could go for your job. That could go for your housework, for your home, for your spouse, for your children, for your parents. The list could go on and on. But whatever we do, we do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And of course, we think about the words of Jesus there in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, the Sermon on the Mount, the light of the world, letting our light so shine before men. And we've pointed this out in sermons before, but why do we do that? So that they can see the Father, so that they can glorify Him through our service and what we're doing. We, we are the ones tasked with being a light to our friends and our neighbors who are living in a dark world. And people must see our good works. Before they're going to listen to the good words that we have to share about Jesus. Number four this morning, she cared for those around her. Not only did she serve, but she cared. She was fortunate enough, even though she was a slave, she was fortunate enough to work in the house of a great man and somebody that we might call a national hero. Again, the beginning of the passage there in 2 Kings chapter 5 talks about he was a great man of valor. However, however, as great as he was, Naaman had leprosy, the terrible dreaded disease of leprosy. And eventually this young slave girl speaks up and tells Naaman's wife about Elisha who could heal Naaman's leprosy. 
Why did she speak out? Why did she speak out? I would submit it's quite possibly because she cared for Naaman. It would seem if he's a mighty man of valor, a great man of valor, this, this great national hero, that he's probably possibly not in the business of beating his slaves or tearing them down or hurting them. It's possible that he was a good man who was doing great things and, and he's kind to even those who would be his captors or his servants. It's possible that she cared about him enough. She saw a problem and she had an answer and she was willing to speak up. She cared for him. The question this morning that's a little tougher for us, do we care? Do we care enough for those around us to speak out and tell them about the cure for their disease of sin? If you've got your Bible, turn to John chapter 3 for a moment. Because I would challenge you that we hear John 3 and we think about John 3.16 and rightfully so. We think about the fact that, that this young girl cared. We ask ourselves the question, do we care? We know that God cared. Jesus says, for God cared, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the world knows this verse, and they champion it, and they share it with everyone. And that's great, because God, through his son, offers us everlasting life. But what about verse 17 and 18? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And what about verse 36 on down at the end of the chapter? He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. God cared enough to send his son. God cared enough. This young girl cared enough. Do we care enough? Do you care that your friend might be in danger of eternal punishment? Do you care that your neighbor is in danger of eternal punishment? Do you care that your relative, spouse, parent, grandparent, cousin, niece, nephew, whatever person may be in your life, relative, is in danger of eternal punishment? If you don't care then you won't feel the need to speak up. You won't feel the need to say anything. But if you really care about them, you won't be able to stop yourself from speaking up. And of course, sometimes we sing the songs and we, we consider in our mind that day of judgment, that opportunity that someone might say, why didn't you talk to me? Why didn't you tell me? And of course, in some way, in a very basic way, it might be that we don't care enough sometimes. This young slave girl sets an example of how to be a missionary even in our daily life because she cared enough and cared for those around her. Number next this morning, she told what she knew. She told what she knew. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 3 again. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Can you imagine having a life-threatening disease and someone saying, if only you could go see that doctor in Tennessee, he could cure you. I don't know his name, I, I don't know where he is in Tennessee exactly, but I know for a fact that he could cure you. From what we have recorded, this girl didn't know the prophet's name, where in Samaria to find him, or anything else about him. However, she knew that he could heal Naaman. And maybe she did, and maybe she told him, but she told what she knew. 
Have you ever heard someone say, well, I talk to fill in the blank about God, but I just don't think I know enough. I know this young slave girl was in the Old Testament times, but a lot of times we think about if we can't stand before someone and unfurl the, the plan of salvation and give them four verses from every point and explain to them everything that a person must do, then it's no good. There's, there's no reason we should even try to talk to them. Well, if you've ever had that thought about, I would go talk to so-and-so, but I don't think I know enough, well, shame on you, shame on me, shame on us for not studying more, for not knowing enough. But secondly, do you know as much as this young slave girl did? Do you know that there is a God, a God of heaven, who can cure them of their sins through the blood of his son? If you do, then you know enough to talk to them or to someone. If you have your Bibles, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Just as Naaman was cleansed from this terrible, horrible, no good, life-threatening disease, so have we. Have you been? Have you been cured from the sin-sick soul? Then you know what you can tell. You can tell your friends and neighbors what you did and why. You can tell them what God has done for you in your life. You can tell them, just as this young slave girl did, that there is someone to go to to get help. If you've never had a Bible study, then you can point the way to someone else. There are many folks in this congregation, men and women alike, who, based upon who you may be, may be wanting to study with, would be more than willing to go and sit with you and talk with someone and share with someone. Did this young girl unfurl the plan of salvation? I know she was in the Old Testament, but, but say, I've got it all figured out. Did she say, I may not have it all figured out, but I know someone else we can talk to. She told what she knew. Sometimes we feel like we have to know it all, but many times we just have to know the very basic principles the very fundamental way of what we did to become a Christian and we can share with someone. And then she did what she could. She did what she could. You know, we oftentimes think about all the things we can't do. And we have so many excuses for everything sometimes, don't we? We think of all the reasons why I can't talk, why I can't go, why I can't share. But think of all the excuses this young lady had. She was young. Not going to be listened to, right? She just appears to be a young girl. She's a slave. More than likely, she probably wasn't even allowed to talk most of the time because she was a slave. She was away from home. She didn't know anybody else, more than likely. She didn't know enough. But still, she did what she could. Maybe you're not as comfortable. Maybe you're not as good or as comfortable at initiating a Bible study with someone as you would like to be. Maybe you say personal evangelism just isn't my thing. Maybe you just don't have enough experience in sitting out and studying with someone. But I would submit to you this morning, there are some things that you can do, that you can try. Who could you invite with you to worship next Sunday? How many tracks are in the lobby that you could pass out? In fact, Faith was even lamenting last week about we've got tracks upon tracks in the secretary's office that can't even make it because we have some out here in the lobby. How many tracks could you pick up and pass out? How many house-to-house could you pick up and pass out or mail to people? There are youth group activities, college-age activities that we have that we could invite people to. You can pray for people. 
You know, I'd even say you could invite him to game night on Friday night, except for the fact of all the talk about cheating that goes on among the card players. And that's a different story. It's a different story for a different time. You can invite him to game night. Why, why not? Why not just invite them to be with the people of God, sharing together in fun and poking fun at each other along the way, sharing in love, sharing in simply eating and playing games together. You don't have to get to the heavy stuff right away. I've heard the phrase used by several of our folks around here, the relationship evangelism. We can start with that. Making friends, encouraging people just to come and see what's happening here at the Saudi Church of Christ. And then finally this morning, God did the rest. The young slave girl did what she did or what she could do. And she didn't really do much if you think about it. She may not have done a whole lot. But how different the story would have been without her, especially for Naaman. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. You're no doubt familiar with the passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You might not be able to do much, but you can make a difference in someone else's life by simply planting, planting a seed. Maybe you go further. That's great. But maybe you just begin with a little. Again, this morning, I would submit to you as we begin to conclude our thoughts this morning, I firmly believe and am very thankful for those who go into the mission field. For those who would go in the mission field, and by the mission field, I mean, in particular, those who would go into foreign countries. Thankful for those that would give up their time, who would give up their lifestyle, their comfort, and even their family. There was a time when Hannah and I were at Freed Hardeman together that we visited several mission groups on campus, and we talked very seriously about it, about maybe going uh, into the world, actually into the world, and traveling away. And, and we had to really count the cost of possibly being away from family, having children away from family. And in the end, we decided it, it might not be for us at this time in our life. You've got to really count the cost. And I appreciate those who are willing to give up that, to go into all the world, places where it's not always comfortable, where you may not can speak the language very well. And we need to be praying for them and encouraging them and lifting them up with cards even to them and things that we can do. But even in our own life, we don't need to think that we can't be a missionary even here in our daily lives. When you think about this young slave girl and what she was able to do in just four verses, just very short time, she told what she knew. She did what she could. She served. She cared. And the question for us this morning is, can we at least match that standard? Can we at least give that much? Are you serving wherever you might be in this part of your life? Are you doing what you can? Are you sharing with others what you know? And as we conclude our lesson this morning, the problem with that begins if you have nothing to share because you've never become a Christian. Possibility exists in even a crowd like this this morning. There's someone here who's never named the name of Christ, never been baptized for the remission of your sins. We're thankful that God has made that way of salvation. We're thankful that He cared enough to send His Son, that Jesus cared enough and loved enough to give His life on the cross. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd like to know more about that gospel plan of salvation. We'd study with you. Even this day, it is the most important decision a person can make in their life. And we would encourage you to consider making that great commitment. Because once you know what it feels like to have your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, you can feel that, that comfort, that hope, that peace. That's what you can share with others. Maybe you're here this morning and you've wandered away from God. You can't share with others because you realize that there is something to miss in your life. I, I mean, sure, you know what you did. 
And sure, you can share that, but you know, you know you're being a bit of a hypocrite because there's something wrong in your life that is sin that is separating you from your God. We're thankful for God's second law of pardon. The opportunity as a child of God, as a Christian, to repent of our sin, to pray for forgiveness, and he is willing to do just that, that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're struggling with something else. Maybe you're just struggling with, with being faithful, with being strong. Maybe there's many other things going on. The beauty of being here together, encouraging each other, is that we can do just that. We can pray for you, and we can pray with you. That whether you need to become a child of God or come back to him, you would make a change even now as we stand together and as we sing.